With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. The Stinkin' Truth Podcast is presented by Core Water. He spent 12 years in the NFL. You can't trust a guy that gyrates his hips after he scores. Has three Super Bowl rings. Made multiple Pro Bowl appearances. Over 16 years of broadcasting between ESPN and Fox Sports. And that's why I'm the greatest football player and best sports analyst ever. He's a soap opera star. That's pretty, uh... I can't remember what I was supposed to say. <laughs> As a reoccurring role on HBO Ballers. Mark Slareth, handsome son bitch, get out here. And makes one hell of a bowl of green chili. It's Mark Slareth, and this is the Stinkin' Truth Podcast. Hey, welcome into the Stinkin' Truth Podcast. Mark Slareth alongside Mike Evans, Scott DeHuff, producing the show. Uh, I'd like to thank our presenting sponsor, great folks over at Core Water, the big blue cap, crisp Clean taste, award-winning taste. You can find it anywhere water is sold, like at your 7-Eleven stores. I'm telling you what, love core water, perfectly balanced to match your body's natural pH level of 7.4. That's science, people. What does it mean? Who knows? But it's like magic. When you drink this water, it's like magic water. Trust me on this one. I mean it. I drink it all the time. Absolutely love it. That's Core. Find out more at hydratewithcore.com. Mike, how are you, buddy? Well, I'm uh, I'm, I'm feeling the wrath of Dwayne Haskins fans. Are you not? Similar to what you had to deal with last year with Baker Mayfield. I don't know that it's similar because no, it's Baker similar. Mayfield, like Dwayne Haskins hasn't gotten after you. Like Baker Mayfield went directly after me on Twitter and which even incited his, you know, his fandom even more. So, yeah, I don't know that you're you're dealing with exactly with what I dealt with, but I get what you're saying. Well, it's like because I refuse to anoint him as the the next Patrick Mahomes, people are all upset uh-huh. that if you pass on Dwayne Haskins, you're passing on the next Patrick Mahomes. But stink. Here, here's the thing, and with the benefit of hindsight, this is this is where maybe we were wrong about Mahomes. We should have seen this coming. The moment that Andy Reid moved up to get Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid had a frame of reference to go by. He coached Brett Favre. He saw Brett Favre. He knew the qualities that made Brett Favre special, and he saw a lot of those same things, same traits in Patrick Mahomes, which led him to go after Patrick Mahomes. Tell me where where the frame of reference is with Dwayne Haskins, if it, you know, and where right. somebody you could see. Going out, targeting Dwayne Haskins with the idea that he reminds me of fill-in-the-blank. Yeah, fill-in-the-blank quarterback. I know that he's got great arm talent. I understand that. One of the things that, that can – see, it's just so hard. Like, the film concerns me Ohio State because, let's face it, even when they played against Michigan, right, that's the their main competitor, right, isn't it? You look at them in their conference, Michigan and Ohio State. Like, the overall talent level of Ohio State versus the talent level of Michigan, sorry, Michigan fan, it wasn't even close. The athletes on the field for Ohio State versus the athletes on the field for Michigan, not even close. From a speed and athleticism standpoint, it wasn't close, Mike. Flat out wasn't close. 
And so I always have a tough time with that. Now, the Giants seem to be the front runners for Dwayne Haskins. And understand Dave Gettleman, their general manager, has already come out and talked about the fact that you're going to have kind of a Mahomes mentorship in New York like you did in Kansas City. And I had talked to Matt Nagy. I did a Chicago game earlier this season and talked to Matt Nagy about Patrick Mahomes, the MVP of the National Football League. And he said the development of Patrick Mahomes was was exponentially greater because of the presence of Alex Smith. Alex Smith did a phenomenal job. You can't undervalue the job that Alex Smith did taking him under his wing. And it wasn't just answering questions. It was saying, hey, come watch this with me. Look at this. This is what I think about in red zone. This is what I think about in this. You know, he really did a good job of of mentoring uh, Mahomes, even though Mahomes, he knew Mahomes was going to take his job eventually. That's the kind of guy that Alex Smith is. Both Alex Smith and Eli Manning are incredibly intelligent, right? They're both like high wonderlick guys and high character guys. Um, will Eli Manning have the same developmental process that Alex Smith had? Will he take him under the wing like he did? And then the other thing is, does Dwayne Haskins have the same capacity to learn in that position. Like we don't know those those things you never know until you're in that situation. Do you like do you aspire to be great? Do you aspire to learn? Do you aspire and everybody learns a little differently. So obviously it's not going to be the same, but they want to create that atmosphere and that kind of that kind of mentorship program that they saw work so effectively with Patrick Mahomes. But you understand the key differences there though. Sure. Kansas City was a playoff team. Yes, okay. with, with offensive talent. I mean, they, they just. I mean, they take a dump in offensive talent. So there falls wasn't out. a clamoring for them to right. play Mahomes. Always comes back to dumps for you, doesn't it? It does. You know, <laughs> look at this turd. How fast is it? <laughs> four two six. <laughs> turd rolled the four two six. <laughs> but with the Giants, you you understand the impatience that. Exists there among the fan base, among the media. Right. Good luck trying to convince everybody there that, hey, you know, we know you've watched right. Eli Manning for a decade and a half, and you're probably just about over the whole Eli Manning experience. But let's give it one more year while this guy that we picked sixth overall sits and learns for a year. Good right. luck. Yeah. No, fighting that. You're 100% right. And usually there's a lot of teams that say it. It's really hard to do. If you're if you're making your playoff push like Kansas City was, much easier to wait and mentor a kid than it is when all of a sudden you look up and you're 2 and 4 and everybody's like, "Hey, the future's now. Play the kid even if he's not ready." And a lot of people um succumb to that kind of pressure. Now Dave Gettleman's an old school guy, but you know, you know, if I, you and I have had this conversation. It's one thing to be an old school guy in Carolina, right? It's the Carolinas. You sing "Sweet Caroline" all the time. It's wonderful. It's easy going. You have sweet tea. Uh uh-uh. uh Sweet tea and crumpets. Right. This is not sweet tea territory. This is this is you know this is unsweetened tea. It's bitter. People are angry. Can't get sweet tea. You go to the restaurant. You order tea. It's coming out unsweetened. <laughs> People are angry about it. <laughs> South, people are excited about tea. That's right. Right? That's right. You have to order unsweetened tea when you go to the South. Have you ever done that? I can't stand unsweetened tea. See, you, I grew up, I grew up, remember remember the Lipton tea? Oh, yeah. Okay? And I used to like 
So I take like a glass and I take one of those, you know, you just get the powder mm-hmm. and I take a scoop oh, and I'd, yeah. and I'd, I'd put so much in there that'd be thick and I'd drink it and then there'd still be like that gooey syrupy powder at the bottom that right. I'd tilt back and I'd just, you just get that sugar, just eat just sugar, sugar just, tea, just sugar tea. Oh, yeah. So good. You know where the delineating line between the South and the North is? I learned this driving. It's called the Mason-Dixon line. No, 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 no. I mean, I understand that. (laughs) But this is how you know when you've entered the South. When you go to a restaurant, you order tea, and it comes sweet, that's the South. And that line on the East Coast, and I've driven this before, is Richmond, Virginia. Really? When you hit Richmond, Virginia, the tea comes South. North of Richmond, Virginia, it's still unsweetened. That is the true T. Mason-Dixon line. That Richmond, is. Richmond, Virginia. Yep. Okay. Richmond, Virginia. Boom. You're in the south. And that goes all the way down through Georgia until you hit Florida again. Florida is the north of the south. Correct. Right? A lot of snowbirds. Right. That's when the tea comes unsweetened once again. So, what have we learned? I have no idea <laughs> how I got on to sweet tea That's okay. versus non-sweet That's tea. Okay. Although I will say this. I'll rescue you here in a moment. I don't know if you watched any of the underpants Olympics that is the combine. A lot of impressive speed numbers. Yeah. A lot of guys running really fast 40s. A lot of guys doing a lot of reps on the bench press test. And I thought, how good of an indicator is speed and bench press? Like, well, if you're the number one speed guy, you got to be a great football player, right? Or if you're the number one bench press guy, you got to be a great, great football player, right? Let me just give you the top. This is the top in the last, what? This goes all the way back. This one goes back to 2008. So this is over a decade of times, okay? Here are the names. You ready? John Ross. That guy hasn't put a squirt of piss in the bucket yet. Chris Johnson. Good player. Dree Archer, Marquise Goodwin, Jacoby Ford, Jalen Merrick, J.J. Nelson, Demarcus Van Dyke. Those are the top 40 times. 422, 424-426-427-428-428-428-428. How many of those guys have been just like superstars, Pro Bowl players? Chris Johnson, one. Those were the top 40 times ever recorded in the last decade plus. But does, and I know you want to get to the, the bench press in a second, but let me just jump in. But to me, to me, if a, a receiver or a running back you know, runs a big 40, I don't necessarily go crazy about. But when I saw some of those 40 times for the linebackers, and I saw Devin White, um, from LSU mm-hmm. and and the and the Bush kid from Michigan running those really fast forties doesn't that get your attention more so because if the idea is to have a three down linebacker doesn't leave the field can cover sideline to sideline sure can run with tight ends now now the speed really does matter yeah because they've already established themselves as football players mm-hmm. whereas some of those other guys you mentioned might just be track stars that were you right. know, trying to you know, impersonate football players. But, you know, these these yeah. linebackers, they're football players who can run. Which is nice, right? I mean, that's a, that's an important aspect of it. You just got to match up the film with the speed. How about the bench press? You ready for this? Um, I can never say this guy's name. Steven? Paea? 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 
If you say it really fast, that's what I do on that, TV you sometimes. Have to do that, yes. Right. When you have a name that you're not quite, you're just not very good at pronouncing, you just say it really fast. Oh, my. Stephen Pip, that guy. <laughs> right? Yeah, that's right. Right? D Lyman, Genius. 49 reps, 2011. How about good old Mitch Petrus? Remember him? Fondly. I don't remember him at all. Never heard him. 45. Played O line, 2010 draft pick. I wonder where he is now. Jeff Owens. Oh, Jeff Owens, deep tackle. 2010, 44. Don't know him. Don Terry Poe, still playing, bouncing yep. around. Yep. He's a good player. Uh, 44. Russell Bodine. Not to be confused with Jethro. Jethro. Bodine. Or Bodine? Jethro. You talking about the. Wait a minute. He said... moved to Beverly, swimming pools and movie stars. No, yeah. those were the those were the clampets. Yeah, but they called him Jethro. Did they not call him Bodine? Jethro. I know his name was Jethro. I thought it was Jethro Bodine. Oh, maybe that was somebody we used to call Jethro Bodine back when I played. <laughs> Scratch that. Scratch, Scratch that. that. Uh, Harrison Phillips. Good old Harrison Phillips. Maybe he's playing. I don't know. Tank Tyler, oh. 42 reps. D. Lyman, 2007. What do you think Tank Tyler's doing right now? Don't you know. think Tank Tyler's just got to be like, just still ripped? Tank Tyler? No, probably he sounds like a, a big fat guy. He's probably working as a bouncer somewhere. Tank Tyler. Let's just look him up. Tank Tyler. There he is. Wait a minute. Oh. Got drafted by the Chiefs. Third round. Out of the league. He's out of the league. You're, you did that fast. Oh, my gosh. Look at the neck on Tank Tyler. Lord, any, idea what mercy. any idea what Tank's up to right now? I'm going to say eating. So your point is? My point is don't get enamored by dudes in their underpants. Yeah. That's my point. You know, the one guy that's gotten all kinds of love and, and people have just gone crazy for his workout was this uh, this uh, Metcalf kid. Did you see that? DK what? Metcalf, yeah. DK Me- he... He like ran a four three three forty at two twenty seven. He plays wide receiver. Bench press two twenty five twenty seven times. Um, had a forty some odd inch vertical jump, and um, had one point six percent body fat. They measured him multiple times because they couldn't believe his body fat was that low. And then he ran the three cone drill and was slower than Tom Brady. Like you want to talk about red flag? Like there's a guy if you just want a guy to run a nine route. He's your guy. Just go deep. So, I mean, again. Somebody Al Davis would draft. Right, in, in first round, too. Boy, he can run. I'll draft him. So, just be careful. Like, that's all I'm saying is just be careful about getting enamored um, with dudes in their underpants. Well, how about the Kyler Murray weekend? Guy didn't even work out. I mean, we're, we're, we're looking at some of these guys who actually went out and performed and performed well and right. were like, well, you know, don't put too much stock into that. But yet all Kyler Murray did was get weighed. All Kyler Murray did was get measured. And it was enough to change the narrative over the course of just a couple of days to now where it is, what, universally expected he will go number one overall. Isn't, that, isn't it crazy? Like, do you... If that doesn't speak to the... Panic, and I'm not. I'm not going to call it any other word, but panic mentality that exists out there when it comes to teams searching for quarterbacks. The idea that they they glom on to whatever they can 
to justify the idea of going after what they believe might be their guy. Let me ask you this. Why does anybody go there and do that? Seriously. Why? Like, if you can move up from the middle, the potential end of, like the bottom to the middle of the first round, to all of a sudden moving up to the first overall pick because you're 5'10 and not 5'9, like you 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 measured in at a three quarters of an inch taller than people thought you were and eight pounds heavier. You're two oh seven instead of one ninety. One yeah, you're two oh seven instead of, you know, one ninety nine. Oh my gosh. Take that guy first overall. Yeah. If you can show up, like why does a guy like Quentin Williams even show up? The Alabama defensive tackle, who ran, by the way, like a four eight three and like why even? Why do you even go to the company? Now nah, you know they invite you. And you get, nah, I'm good. I'm good. Why? Why would you go? And then they're like, well, you don't want to compete. Well, why, I competed all season long. Look at the film. Dumb shit. Like why do I need to go? I mean, uh, why would understand, you? But there's there's just different rules for quarterbacks. I don't know. I mean, everybody's you know gaga over Nick Bosa. He didn't. He he quit during the season. Yeah, the whole thing is, you know, I know it's an information fest and people are talking and, you know, and all that stuff goes on and it's an excuse to be in Indianapolis for four days and, you know, eat, drink, and be merry. I, you know, whatever, and ask stupid questions. You see the one kid that got asked if he had two testicles? What? Did you see that? No. Oh, yeah. One of the, one of the, I think some DB or something from Texas, some GM or, personnel guy or scout or whatever asked him if he had two testicles well does he yeah he said he did (laughs) i mean maybe what if he would have said no i got three boom oh i'm the unicorn of testicles that's right (laughs) exactly (laughs) draft me and you know that guy would run right back holy smokes he's got three you should see the size of this guy's coin purse (laughs) yeah he's a tri baller Dude's carrying a buck sixty-seven a change. You think Murray there. goes number one now? Yeah, I think so. What does it say about Josh Rosen, by the way? You know the. I mean, there's a lot of people out there now that's saying, "Hey, Josh Rosen's like this is the what's crazy about the draft. You've got him for one year, right? He probably started twelve, thirteen games, whatever it was. I was calling the game where he replaced um, Sam Bradford, and uh, and and I called several of his starts, so. Here's a guy that went from 10th overall pick, guy that said that after the draft there are nine teams that made a mistake, from 10th overall pick to a guy that now is projected to be traded for a third-round pick. Like, if that doesn't tell you about the inexact science of the NFL draft, and, you know, you talk about, and I've talked to, um, uh, like all the all the noise out there. Like when I met with him, and I met with him several times, he was, you know, affable. He was intelligent. He was fun to talk to. I mean, I really liked I really liked him as a kid. Um, but you know, you talk to some people off the record that you know will tell you, uh, not a hundred percent sure. You know, like some of the things that were pre draft issues. Whether do you really love the game? Are you really really you know going to sink into the game or do you really have great football, even though you're an intelligent guy, football acumen, that type of stuff? Those are the concerns. Um, I don't know about you, but 
Like, I get it if if you've got a veteran established quarterback and you can get him for a third-round pick and you're like, hey, man, we'll you know kick the tires on him, see if he develops underneath this guy or whatever. But if he was already a guy that you didn't know he loved football and all of a sudden he's not getting an opportunity to play, does it humble him to the point where he's like, I'm going to prove everybody wrong? Or is he like, man, eh, I got paid and, you know, I come from a family of doctors and, yeah, it's all good. Like, there's there's really two different I mean, do, ways. But you, is this, but do you, so this is solely, in your mind, a case of all it took was the Cardinals one year to understand that this isn't the guy and that they made a mistake? Or is it, hey, you, you know, we, we, we admitted we made a mistake with Steve Wilkes. We got rid of him after one year. We quickly move towards Cliff Kingsbury. You always talk about how important it is, Mark, to empower your head coach. So if you're going to make a commitment to Kingsbury, shouldn't you let him coach his kind of quarterback in his kind of system? And if he looks at a guy like Rosen and it doesn't really fit his air raid type system, but a guy like Kyler Murray does, then maybe is it more just about fit than it is we've just totally given up on Josh Rosen. Uh, maybe a little bit of both. But, yeah, I, I mean, I understand the fit process. I mean, it's it's always interesting that, you know, your roster can be depleted. I mean, their O-line stunk. Their tight end position stunk. Their wide receiver position. When Larry Fitzgerald in year 15 is your most dynamic wide receiver, you got an issue, right? So I just think from a talent standpoint, they were bereft of it. And your GM... You know, hires the coach, they fire him. Hires another coach, empowers him, which is great. But is this, you know, I mean, I look at this like how much blame does the GM get? I I mean, this would, in my mind, this would be the last hoorah, you would think. But, yeah, it's important to be in the right system. It's important to have the right people to run that system. And Josh Rosen certainly doesn't seem like a guy that's going to run the air raid system, not to me anyhow. Based upon, you know, he had concussion issues in college and injury issues in college. And I watched him late in the season against Atlanta as I was preparing for an Atlanta Falcons game. Um, I watched him get bounced out of that game after six sacks. By the way, you know, the other thing that that I would say to you is what does it say about your quarterback when everybody feasts on him? Like during the season, I know he's a rookie, but during the season, teams like the Broncos beat down the Arizona Cardinals and not a very good Bronco team. Um, and and blitzed him and got after him. The the Atlanta Falcons just brought pressure on just about every play, Mike. It was almost like they like we used to have this saying when I played, live by the blitz, die by the blitz. We used to always say we begged them to when I was in Washington early in my career, beg them to blitz us. Please blitz us. Because one, we got receivers that are gonna beat one on one coverage. Two, we're gonna protect the heck out of our quarterback, and three, we're gonna eat you up. Like, come on, bring the blitz. At the end of the season, man, Josh Rosen, they just they brought pressure every time. Like they're saying as a defensive coordinating staff or the league in general is basically saying, we don't believe your quarterback can beat us. We're not afraid of your quarterback. Now, some of that is your receivers can't beat us, your tight ends can't beat us, but a lot of that is we don't believe your quarterback can take advantage of us. You know, putting ourselves in harm's way by going one-on-one. And in that Atlanta game, after six sacks and just getting, like, the tar beat out of him to where he was looking to tap out him, he's looking at the sideline like, really? Then all of a sudden, Mike Clinton came in and cut him up, cut the Falcons up and put a drive together for a touchdown. 
it was it was a game as I was breaking it down. And I'm looking at Atlanta film. I really started paying a lot of attention to Josh Rosen. Going, Bell, he just doesn't look like he doesn't look like he wants to be out there anymore. So I mean, and I wouldn't want to take those hits either. I get it. I get that part of it. But I think there's some buyer's remorse there. As much I think there's there's a. a a healthy combination of we're going to move to this direction, Cliff Kingsbury, we want this air raid, we want a quarterback that can operate that, and we don't believe in Josh Rosen either. Can I give you a landing spot for Rosen, and does this just make too much sense? It Maybe it's so obvious that there's just no way this happens. Uh-huh. New England's got 12 picks in this draft. Right. They have two second-round picks and two third-round picks. One of them is a third-round pick that they got – as a compensatory pick for losing Nate Solder in free agency. That didn't really hurt him. They got Trent Brown. Mm. That worked out well. But what about the idea that, boy, if there's ever a time where the Patriots flush with picks could take a flyer on a guy like Josh Rosen, would it make more sense to go trade? If if the third round is where you can get Rosen, get a guy who has a year under his belt, albeit a painful year, but at least he's got a year under his belt, versus, and you still can assume his contract, which includes the, the fifth-year option, uh-huh. rather than drafting yeah. a quarterback. Does that um, make almost too much sense? Okay, yeah. And everything you said about Rosen, talent's there, but he needs to learn right. a lot about studying the game, everything. Who better to learn from? Right. You know, I remember, and I, I've talked to Troy Aikman about this. Troy Aikman, during his first year, he took a beating with the Dallas Cowboys. I mean, a beating. And they were they were split within that organization. There were they were people that were on the Steve Walsh train. Remember they had Steve Walsh at the same time said, yep. we think he's going to be a better quarterback than Troy Aikman. So it does make sense. I'll tell you where it even makes more sense. He passes the lack of has, handsome quotient to play in New England. Oh boy. Okay. Explain that. Uh, you come to New England and you are neck and neck on the ha- handsome, like handsome off quotient with Tom Brady, you're not going to last long. Like, I just have this sense that Tom Brady is not allowing people that are as handsome or more handsome than him to be a part of that organization. What are you saying about Rosen? I'm saying Rosen, he's not going to threaten Tom Brady when it comes to handsomeness. Ah. Like, I'm like, okay. Give me an example, you ask. Why do you think Jimmy Garoppolo doesn't work there anymore? How about Danny Amendola? Oh. Huh? Are you Come starting on. to understand? I see. Why do you think I'm not coaching in New England? <laughs> Too handsome. Too handsome. Too handsome. I see. You you might be onto something. It's a curse. That's right. It's you a curse Come that... to New England, you better be a little bit on the ugly side. Uh, real quick. Yeah. Speaking of ugly. Mm-hmm. I know this is something that you were uh, passionate about on Twitter over the weekend. Antonio Brown saying, "Oh my gosh, you know, I don't, I don't need this game. I play by my rules." Right? Yeah. Good luck with that. I mean, seriously, if you were representing him or if you were part of his, you know, quote unquote posse, wouldn't you just smack him upside the head and say, "Hey, hey one idiot, quit talking." Like, all right, so I've made a lot of money and all my stuff is paid for. Great. I just know this. This league was established, what, are we doing our 100-year anniversary? Yeah, this, this, this upcoming season. Okay, 100 years ago. 
So it was here for about 94 years before you entered or 93 years before you entered or whatever it is, and it'll be here a long time after you leave. Like this this monster just keeps on. This is a wheel that keeps on turning, whether you're there or whether you're not there. And walk away for a while. I tell young guys this all the time. You know, I can't tell you how many people would glad hand you when you were playing. Hey, come check me out after you're done playing, man. I got a job for you. I got whatever, right? I tell young players all the time, listen, man, very few people will remember and even less will care that you played. They don't. Running down on kickoff or catching a ball or whatever has no transferable skills to the real world. It doesn't. And so, yeah, okay, you go to the Hall of Fame and you have a gold jacket and a lot of opportunities, you know, present themselves to you. That's great. That is awesome. But your act has worn thin on most organizations and most people. And listen, if you're going to just walk around being an unpolished turd for the rest of your life, those opportunities, even with a gold jacket, are going to be few and far between. So, you know, Antonio Brown, I'm glad you don't need anybody, and I'm glad the world operates around you and the, the world clock operates on your schedule. That's awesome. That is awesome. Have fun being alone. Do you think he's got – I think he's got a case of, like, NBA envy. Because you look at what happens in the NBA. These superstars, right. they can pretty much put their agenda above their teams, mm-hmm. and it doesn't come back to haunt them. I mean, look look at the Lakers. I mean, LeBron James clearly pining for Antonio Davis, Anthony Davis, rather, and it ruined the Lakers' season. It's ruined the Pelican season. Kyrie Irving, will he or won't he in Boston? It's ruined their season. And yet, even though these guys are putting self above team, you know that there will be any number of teams yeah. with their They'll arms be, out ready right. to welcome them. Different, and yeah. I think in, I think Antonio Brown is, is foolish is, enough is, to buy that in the he, NFL. Yes, yeah. See, because one player makes the, is the difference between being in an NBA final and not correct in the NBA. It doesn't work that way in the NFL, especially with receivers, right? And it's you know, there's 22 starters on a team. There's 53 guys on a team. Um, it's just a different animal altogether. And if you buy into that mentality where you're more important than everybody else on your team. Um, then you're the idiot. Could you ever see a quarterback doing that? Because if there is one position in the NFL where you could theoretically do that, like, um, let me give you an example. Russell Wilson. Right. Going into the last year of his contract in Seattle. Yeah. What if all of a sudden he just, could could you see him... Whenever questions were asked about, hey, Russell, is this your last year? You know, mm-hmm. uh, uh, so-and-so, the, the, the fill in the blank. The Giants are prepared to make a massive run at you, right. you know, and he allowed all that to fester. Could, could you see that happening in well, the NFL, or are these guys just wired differently, especially a quarterback? I think, they're, I think they're wired differently. The other thing is, you know, you have the franchise tag. So right. even if somebody's coming after you, they can slap the franchise tag on you and say, hey, you're not really a free agent. Right. So... You know, it just be it just is one of those things where I think most players just you know, most players just won't get into that. I, I think one of the interesting things here is you see Larry Fitzgerald came out and basically said, Antonio Brown, man, like shut your mouth. You don't have you don't understand how good you got it. You got a Hall of Fame quarterback throwing you the ball. Like look what look at what Larry Fitzgerald, Hall of Fame career, one of the gentlemen of this I mean, one of the great guys in this league. And he's coming back for what, year sixteen or whatever. He really should force himself out. 
I, I know he wouldn't do it. He won't. But he should force himself out and say, you know, get me to Green Bay. Get me to New England. Right. Give, Give me, me a somewhere chance where I can yeah, well, I have a chance. He and, should, but he won't. You know, he did play in a Super Bowl where they lost to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, and that was before Antonio Brown. Yeah. Huh, weird. Uh, and how many rings does Antonio Brown have? Zero? Oh, okay. Yeah. Exactly. He played in Pittsburgh. Their rookie year, they went and they lost the Green Bay Packers. That was his rookie year. And I don't know that he was I don't know that he was a, a, a major player his rookie year. I don't believe he was. So um anyhow, long story short, yeah, j- the guy is he's completely he's completely lost it. He's completely overvalued himself in the marketplace. And by the way, he's not helping his trade value. No. Because as you say if, if what you're saying is correct, and I believe you that the NFL is a different league, and they do place a premium on you know, how's this guy going to fit in. Right? You know, is he going to be part of the team? All he's doing is burning br- bridges around the NFL. Yeah, people are looking at him, going, "Do I really want a piece of that?" Right? Do I really want to bring that guy? Especially if you if you're like if you're close, like if you're close to to winning a championship. Do I want to? Is that the missing ingredient? Is that right. the missing piece, or does that just cause strife? And we're close. Again, I like. I hate to think this way, but it's probably the human side of me, which is, you know, not always a great side. But I hope he goes to a really shitty team with a really shitty quarterback and has a really shitty season. On that note. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I think you just dropped the mic right there. Yeah. Boom. There you, there you go. There you go. Hey, for everybody involved, the Stick of Truth podcast <laughs> for Mike, myself, for Scott. Thank you for listening. Don't we have a shitty it. day. No, have a great day. <laughs> have a great day. Unless you're Antonio Brown. The Stinkin' Truth podcast presented by Core Water. Subscribe to the Stinkin' Truth podcast via Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, SoundCloud, and plenty of other podcast platforms.